Hello, the internet, and welcome to Season 180, Episode 2 of The Daily Zeitgeist! Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was probably a little more echoey than usual. I've got all the doors closed. I forgot to open my, my closet doors. Uh, anyways, did you know that this is a production of iHeartRadio, Miles, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. a podcast where we take mm-hmm. a deep dive into America's shared mm-hmm. consciousness? Uh, you probably knew that, but I'll tell you something you didn't know. It's what? Tuesday, April 13th, oh, no. 2021. And did you know my name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Baha Blast Mountain Dew. Baha Blast, Baha Mountain Dew. Baha Blast, Baha Mountain Dew. Uh, That is courtesy of J Music Chicago. It is, of course, the circle of Zeit from the O'Brien King. Uh, and I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray! <laughs> Moderna or Pfizer, maybe even you know. Get that Johnson & Johnson vaccine in your blood flow. Key Largo, Montego, finally we can go. Oh, I'm vaccinated in Kokomo. <laughs> With there at last with Stimmy checks from Joe. That's what we want so bad, bro. <laughs> Vaccines in Kokomo. And, hey. you know, it could only be Christy Yamaguchi, man, with that wonderful Beach Boys-inspired vaccine anthem, the Vanthem. I got my, uh, I got my appointment and as i was making my appointment for this thursday i had visions of john stamos uh dancing in my head john stamos on the on the bongos yep (laughs) what a dream boat and that's been actually powering you to be safe this entire like lockdown one day the pandemic is not that's the weird thing because i just got my first shot last week is i don't it's surreal to be like okay yeah but it's not over so, yeah, it's like in, I mean, in a I'm, way I'm like going, I'm going to Kokomo with it, and I'm not packing a mask, bro. Within seconds, <laughs> got the shot. I'm on my way. Peace. <laughs> well, Miles, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by the brilliant, the talented, the hilarious Chelsea Weber Smith. Well, thank you, thank you. You know there I always are. love being here with you guys. Look at you. So thank you for having me back. Always such a great conversation to be had. Yeah, I agree. I love talking to you guys. Oh, it's so good talking to you. As we've talked about before, you like your work on you know social moral panics and just your kind of pop cultural history mind for pop culture history is just. Just inject it right into my fucking veins. I love it. Yeah. I will. Yes, uh, please. Great, yeah. Yeah. What are you trying to get? A jumbo? A red top? <laughs> how are you packing? How are you packing Pandemic. it up, Chelsea? You want two? You want two? Or you want two the... for five? What's the deal? Is um the other thing I was gonna see uh, what I was thinking of you when Lil Nas X twerked his way to hell. Oh yeah. baby, I know that was full blown. That yeah. it was a. You know, I will say it hasn't been great PR for uh, Satanists the last little while here, you know, but uh, I would think I think he has a brilliant PR team, which I'm sure he's a huge part of because I think they knew what they were doing with that and what was going to happen. And I appreciate a good PR stunt as much as I hate capitalism, I have to say. And that was a beautiful, (laughs) beautiful rollout from start to finish there. And uh, yeah. You know, it was a satanic panic, but man, things just, the last satanic panic lasted like 
15 years, but the internet's <laughs> just like, <laughs> we're sure. turning them over seconds. quick these days, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We turn them over fast. But yeah, yeah thank you for I'm, thinking of yeah. me. I, you know, when Charles Manson died, a bunch of people called me. <laughs> <laughs> was like, are you okay? You and doing? I was like, no, I don't like serial killers. I just yeah. know a lot of. How does that feel for you? What? Um, wait, what did you think I was into? Man, I was like, for? oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the same thing people think of me. Died? Oh, oh his wisdom was so beyond. Yeah, um, and his but... music. Let's not forget, pour one out for another musical king. That's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Did you ever but... hear those weird tapes? Those oh, Manson yeah. family. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Those are, I remember dating somebody who put me on, not put me on, but like <laughs> played them for me for the first time. And I immediately was like, oh no, like, why do you have all these MP3s? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> these, are, <laughs> these are not good songs at all. And I was no. like, come on out to this uh, ranch where me and my friends hang out and uh, we can just, you know, yeah. kick He's it. He's got a song you. about dumpster diving. It's like. We love, I can't remember it, but it's a real happy, like, let's go dumpster diving, you guys. And it's I so mean, fucking He weird. was heavily influenced by and uh, even friends with the Beach Boys. Yeah. Uh, sure was. And they both branched off in their opposite directions and took things. I, I think Kokomo is, is the most authentically and deeply satanic song in American culture because it's just like at that point where... The, the hippies and like the 60s culture has completely sold its soul to yeah. uh, capitalism and just like visions of, uh, you know, steel drums dancing in our head. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting because Charles Manson and the Manson family were like a huge kickoff for the satanic panic because originally they were like, this is a satanic ritual. And so right. it's just like, and then it was like Rosemary's Baby and The Exorcist and all of these like satanic movies with all this like happenings around them that were supposed to be like, like a cross was struck by lightning the, the night of the premiere and, fe- you know, so it's just like the beginning of this right. satanic panic that we're still, I mean, we've always had a satanic panic. So yeah. it just, it just gets big sometimes yeah. and puffs up. And I should say satanic uh, in the uh, more evil than anything. Yeah. Yeah. Not nice Satanists who are just like, yeah, not fun Satanists. Challenging Christianity. Yeah. Yeah, Um, Shall be the whole of the law. Yeah. Is -hmm. is Satan is. I mean, I feel like Lil Nas X is making Satan cool again. Like, yeah, yeah. I guess the real if since the satanic panic only lasted all but 15 seconds, has Satan lost its appeal? In terms of being a, a lightning rod for outrage for conservative people, like are we in a post Satan world now? Like Satan is no longer the worst thing. Well, I mean, it. I guess it depends on which Christians we're talking about. Yeah. Like the evangel, because there's been such an evangelical resurgence, right? So it's like those folks are definitely on board with like satanic forces, you know, controlling yeah, liberalism, right. like all that stuff is still around. But I think it's, I mean, it's lost it's, its power probably Ugh. a little bit, you know, but and it's it just like just... the metalheads, right? It's like the metalheads of the eighties. It's in the backwards right. records. It's all the same shit. Right. Yeah. It's just a little bit more surface oh, one... level now. And, and it's sexier to... now. Yeah. You didn't have to play that video backwards to, uh, Get no, what, what <laughs> it was trying not. to do. Um, <laughs> but he did kill Satan. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Him. What's their problem? Did you ever witness a wave of comic, like sketch, sketch comedy around Manson and the Beach Boys working together? 
I've rem- I can think of like three things like sketch comedy pieces that were about Manson and the Beach Boys collaborating and they were like the they were just so stupid but laughed so it was like the old I think you should leave now bit where he's like trying to contribute lyrics about like the spooky day and the guys like trying to record a legit song where it's like the Beach Boys working on some harmonies and then right. like sort of the the game of the sketch was like Manson breaking. He's like, yeah, and then Satan would come in and drip blood down on the thing. And they're like, we're talking about a young woman's new car that she's driving to the beach. Right. It's like, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah, go on. I'll, I'll work on some stuff. And kept yeah. coming back with like all kinds of weird shit. Oh, man. When you look that at- sketch is also so good that you referenced <laughs> from I Think You Should Leave. Yeah. <laughs> when you look at the like battle between within the beach boys uh even accepting charles manson like the over the lyrics it's such a bummer because like as brian wilson was trying to make pet sounds and smile you had mike love like who was just a like branding dude like a marketer from the start who was like nah man it's all about the chicks and the cars and <laughs> surfboards <laughs> yeah and then like when pet sounds didn't like sell a bunch of albums out of the gate he like used that to just be like, see, I, what did I tell you, man? You don't, you don't know shit. Leave it to me, Mike Love, and <laughs> that that started the whole. Yeah, it's a, it's a bummer. It's but a saga. It is a saga. All right, Chelsea, uh, we're gonna get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're gonna tell our listeners a couple of the things we're talking about. We're gonna talk about the killing of Dante Wright by uh, the police in Minnesota. We're going to talk about police rights in Maryland, the Police Bill of Rights. We're going to talk about White Lives Matter rallies that happened over the weekend. Michigan is peaking uh, and not in the way you want to be peaking right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about uh, infrastructure, Stallone. Uh, We might even get into all the junk food promotions happening around the world uh, to try and get people to get vaccinated all of that, plenty more. But first, Chelsea, we like to ask our guest, what is something from your search history that is revealing about who you are or what you're up to? Well, um, for American Hysteria, which is the podcast podcast that I host, we're doing kind of like a big urban legends um, extravaganza episode. So I've been searching for like the equivalent of urban legends from the past, because we usually like to go through history with these topics. And um, so my search history is urban legends, civil war. And there's a really good one I want to tell you guys. And it is that during a civil war battle, a stray bullet. And I believe that it was the testicle one. Yes. Do you know this? Yes. Yes. But go on. Uh, I was like, I, wait. I had is... the <laughs> one? Yes. 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 Yep. yes. <laughs> so, as you know, it goes that, and I believe that I couldn't find, I could only find this in one place, but it was a, it was a union bullet that, or no, a Confederate bullet. I don't know. Who, whoever's bullet it was doesn't matter, but it wait, passed it's be through the scrotum <laughs> of, I believe, a Union soldier and then struck, you know, like the plantation owner's daughter sitting mm-hmm. out on her antebellum porch and, and uh, it struck into her pregnant. uterus. <laughs> she got pregnant, potentially with a Union baby and, uh, you know, beautiful stuff, right? It's just oh, like, so that's that's God. my search history right now and, and kind of where my... I I don't know why. I feel like that was one of the first Civil War facts I ever learned. Man, it makes it more interesting. It it was because I I remember going 
it was all through my friend. Okay, so my friend Ty, who he was like, he's like two years older than me. So he was like the kid who was like two years ahead in school. So he'd be like, yo, we're talking about the Civil War. I'm like, the what? You know, and he's like, the Civil War. And so he had all these books and shit. And so I was getting like at 10 years old, a 12 year old's version of the American Civil War based on of like <laughs> one Ken Burns tape and like a couple loose books that he got from the library. And then like, so everything was like, oh, that's cool. I don't know what any of this means. But the only thing that stuck was the testicle thing. And I was like, no, that's so fucked up. <laughs> and I remember saying that in class and like my teacher was like, where did you what? Wait, did you think it was true or was it just shown? Yeah, I was as ten like years old. Legend. I yeah, so you I, thought this, it was I got true. this secondhand. Yes, from a twelve-year-old <laughs> talking to me at ten years beautiful. old, and I was like, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. But that's facts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I yeah, it's interesting because it seems like there's a pretty transparent like way that that lie comes about that you would be able to be like, oh well, yeah, of course. There was probably a child conceived the old fashioned way uh, and the daughter was like, but that's impossible because I've never uh, been with a man. And then, you know, yeah, right. Like like Mary. Right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But they I I think there's a this sort of urban legend. Like I remember when I was in high school and like on the on the verge of having to deal with these sorts of things, not there by any means uh, yet, but that like there were a lot of stories that dudes would be like, yo, I heard this girl got pregnant from like just being in like a hot tub with somebody. And mm-hmm. oh, uh, right. so it's just like fear of, and like, you know, that uh, of, of how like the conceiving a child actually happens and how like, easy it is and like all the you know that's a thing that is like looming over everyone's head so yep yeah they're very worried about that so i feel like that that makes sense to me that it would have lived on in the in the minds of like 12 year old boys <laughs> yeah just absolutely like, yo dude did you right. know you could yeah. just like be Psychotic within a panic. square mile and yeah exactly <laughs> um that's wild so chelsea when you're like finding out about it now has it been is it mostly passed on as an urban legend or is it passed on among people like believing it? Well, I mean, are you talking about specifically the Civil War thing or the Civil War? Thing. Yeah, I I just found it yeah. from some like weird website, you know, and I had never heard it before. So right. it's fun that Miles, you knew it because I was like, <laughs> oh, shit, this is so good. <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's like it's hard to find them, um, the urban legends from like the past. But you can go back and like urban legends are just like cautionary tales. Right. And, and like right. tell the story of kind of like the dominant culture. Right. And like I've been thinking about and this is also my underrated thing because I just want to talk about it. Yeah, more, let's do but it. urban legends, because like go back to like the chain letters of the 90s, which we all remember. Right. Mm-hmm. And the urban legends and like the gang initiation one was like probably one of the biggest if not the biggest with the um if you're driving and someone has their headlights off you flash your headlights and the gang initiation is like then they kill you right so that's like do you guys remember this oh yeah 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 Yeah, of course yeah and that was like it would like get printed out at like schools and the cops you know so it was just this like chain letter that traveled you know eventually through email but really it was just and you know of course that's like the 90s is like the super predator years, right? And these huge fears of gangs and the moral panic around all of that kind of, you know, post 80s, like 
trickle up effect of of all that racism from Reagan years and then the Clinton years. And so it's like I just think urban legends are really interesting because, you know, a lot of times they're for teenagers. But a lot of times, you know, we're seeing them again with like, you know, white women talking about how someone was following them in the grocery store and trying to sex traffic them. You know, it's like I don't know. I remember the ones of like, you know, it was it's always like women who are. Uh, who should be afraid, right? And who shouldn't be out in the world as much because of all of the dangers. You mm. know, there's like the cautionary tale about the hook, which everybody knows, where, you know, the girl and the guy are parking. And that's when, mm-hmm. you know, and then there's all the like, the hook is the phallic symbol. And, you know, there's all the like psychotherapy babble stuff about it. So I just think it's like, I don't know, it can tell you a lot about. Um, like what we fear at the time and and the stories that we're telling about our fears. And, right. uh, you know, you can go back to Stranger Danger Time, like Poison Halloween Candy and like the stranger right. that's out to just murder children for no good reason. You know, that's right. like a big, you know, like like as if people are just <laughs> like handing out razor blades and apples to children you know, willy <laughs> yeah. nilly, um, which is, of course, an urban legend. Yeah. Like, Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting what what gets targeted like the urban legends trained me very well to always check the backseat of my car anytime oh, yeah. I got in it at night oh, yeah. during the day I don't give a shit but or or like wipe the mouth of a aluminum can because the person who accidentally ate rat shit and died because the the sodas were stored in a warehouse near rat poo well, that's a true that story. That's a true story, Miles. Yeah. Well, uh, either way, that had me t- wiping the shit out of every can, like from oh man, it's twelve, effective. age twelve to seventeen. Where you're like, man, there was a big panic around Pepsi's containing syringes. Yeah, and, right. Like, remember that? It was just like, and then just a bunch of people were just fucking putting syringes in their soda so they could be on the news. What are they, cops? I don't know. I don't think. It was Swear to God, like, you go, you say you're a cop, and they put a tampon in your coffee oh i know <laughs> i know miles it sounds like yours were actually like useful uh urban legends like well, it's different right because a lot like, of this, your, a lot of these chain letters and urban legends were just like like racist conspiracy theories going yep. from analog to digital oh, yeah. <laughs> right oh, yeah. right right <laughs> started off being like, yo you heard your aunt heard with her other fucked up aunt friends that are now telling your mom about some shit yeah and then now became the chain letter that was the digital version that was like, if you don't do this, because this is how oh, yeah. this group you don't know is living or whatever. Yeah, I think the ones that stuck with me were the ones purely that felt like the because the headlight thing. I remember, I think, saying to my dad and he was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> He's like, we drive through where these gangs are. And that's not what that's not yeah. how these gangs yeah. work. Yeah. And I'm like, Do you guys right. remember the knockout game, too? That was yeah. a big like. Oh, yeah. Like a racist, racist, more modern legend. version. Yeah. 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 The yeah. I feel like the uh the lights the headlights one is probably has like some bodies to its name because of the fact that people are were probably less likely to like blink their lights to be like hey your lights are off you're driving yeah. around like that's such a like counterproductive unhealthy one to yeah. just be like Yo, don't don't do that because they might murder you for telling them that they're driving around with their lights off. Uh-huh. Um, I've never yeah. even thought about that. Like, yeah. what actually created it must have. You're totally right. Yeah. Oof. And also, just What's the logic of the probably game? driving around with the with the people in the back with with people thinking people are in the back seat of your car might have distracted a few drivers. 
Yeah. What were you saying, Miles? What's the what's, logic? What's the logic of the gang, though? You're like, okay, you want to be, oh, you want to be down? Oh, we got a hero here, <laughs> huh? Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so you want to well, explode well, a face? Well. Is that what you're trying to do, young man? You're trying to get down? Okay, so when you're driving, mm. somebody flashes their lights at you because you forgot to turn yours on. You killed him because we hate helpful people in this yes. game. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, you know, like, wow, just a really, know. usually, like, if you're in a gang, you're not gonna, you're not gonna commit violence and risk going to jail unless it's to attack a, a rival gang. Like, yeah, to random, some end, right? Right, to some, like, like, you know, it's like, same, like, when you watch mobster documentaries or anything else, they're always like, you're not gonna risk going to jail over civilians. Right. That's like, if you're really, like, there's a whole other world to that where it's like, no, no, no. Enemy combatants are the people that are perceived enemy combatants. However, that gets all fucked up. But yeah. Anyway, but shout out to the anti-headlight gang. What is something you think is overrated, Chelsea? You know, I think like this is like going in a totally different direction, but we just re-released an episode that we did called Monsters. And it's all about sort of like the language of the monstrous, right? Which does go back to urban legends too. But I think like the uncomplicated heroism of, of science is what I'm saying because, you know, there's like so much to like the theory of evolution and Charles Darwin's theory being, you know, applied to schools, right? Which we were always like, evolution, yes, like we have to teach that in school, but originally, you know, it was a justification for eugenics. Eugenics. So, yeah. right, this war, but the Scopes trial, which is just the most bonkers thing to read about. Um, we cover it in our episode called um, Children's Programming, but it's like, it's just such a like all out bonanza because it was basically like some dude wanting coverage of his town so that the town would become more successful and popular. And so he like whipped up this plan to have this trial about this controversial thing happen. And they like got a guy to, to you know, break the law of teaching evolution. And it was just like a total PR stunt for this town. And, you know, we just look back at these things like they're so uncomplicated and um, like we're all we're all taught that all the time. But I think like talking about how complicated science has been uh, in terms of eugenics and these different things, because it's so easy to talk about, like, the conservative errors. God, I'm so sorry I said errors. The conservative, <laughs> like, please, God, the conservative, you know, horrors are also matched by sort of a similar progressive white supremacy that's just kind of manifesting in a really different way, but it's still the same thing. And I don't know. I just really, really think that Uncomplic I mean, this is like not a an unpopular opinion, but just really getting into the complications of our history and not seeing our side as heroic is just something I've been thinking about all the time, um, especially now when we have like a culture war. Like we always, always have this culture war and it's always like really, really complicated. <laughs> and so I don't know. I think that's what I've been thinking about a lot lately. Yeah, it's, uh, I think in America's memory, you know, the World War II is important for a lot of reasons, but it allows Americans to forget that throughout like the first three decades of the 20th century, eugenics was the popular thing yeah. with progressives. Like that was exactly. like the cool, the cool thing that people coming out of like Ivy League schools believed yep. and like thought was like a 
a a good idea. And, or like um, progressive to help like black people through what you've learned about eugenics, like the benign version. Like in this way, we can help the Negro yes. reach right. their yes. potential. Yes. And yeah. Get the fuck mm-hmm. out of here with it's this. It's like shit. a really big white saviorism moment. Oh, like, yeah. I think it starts to really like go from there. Yeah, because you've turned your racism into saviorism, and now mm-hmm. it's like, no, this feels way better than we're like angry. We're like, we're just saying, aww. We're Aww. just we're just doing science, you know. Yeah, we're, we're just doing like science we're just and measuring their brain. Yeah, we're just like looking at a skull shape and determining someone's human oh, worth, you know. Yeah, like, uh, the reason you're stealing is because of the distance between the tip of your nose yes. and the the peak of your brow ridge. It's actually not because of an utter lack of uh, options oh. available to you yeah, where no. you live. Mm-mm, mm-mm, yeah, it's just no. it's 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 that damn measurement. <laughs> we can't do anything about it. It's just the yeah. way it is, you know. And it's yeah. So, but if we identify ugh. these people, then we can start corralling them together and then weeding that out. Why does that sound? Yeah. Right. And then and then we act like we were just complete and utter heroes of World War II and we didn't inspire like a great deal of that thinking. And oh, so yeah. and both sides, yeah. you know, it's just there's no innocent party in the past. And I well, think it's because like, it's like the latest controversy, global controversy allows every nation to forget what happened right before that. So it's like, yeah, yeah World War II, forget about whatever happened. Mm-hmm. Don't forget. <laughs> forget yep. all that. Mm-hmm. We, mm-hmm. we beat the Nazis. huh? That was great. And then you're coasting off of that till the next thing. And then other countries can now be like, oh, yeah, well, we did that. So now we can kind of forget about everything because of that weird goalpost we have in our history. Absolutely. Yeah. I wonder how much guilt is tied to how, like, powerful a mythos becomes. Because another thing that, like, the, the knowledge that there's a lie there, I feel like I'm... I talk a lot on the show about how like white supremacy there, like in a lot of cases, there is the knowledge that it's wrong. And like that powers a lot of it, like sort of that cognitive dissonance and like them knowing that they're lying and knowing that their beliefs are completely full of shit, like powers a lot of the hatred and like anger and just the energy. And like with World War Two, you have like heading into it, the fact that America and like America's business leaders were really into eugenics and then coming out of it like we had the cold war and that was somewhat convenient because it was allowed us to completely paper over the fact that like russia essentially won world war ii for the the allies like they were the i don't know man you see how poor they look (laughs) it's like what no did do you know what happened do you know what happened when the germans went okay whatever forget it yeah when you just look at the numbers of like people uh nazis killed and the number of lives lost on on russia versus the united states it's like not not even comparable and i do feel like maybe that's where like some of the cold war energy comes from is knowing that there's that lie there and like wanting to be able to perpetuate it right Stalin yep. always like smirking at the president's like, yeah, all right, all right, uh-huh. bitch, I, I see you. Uh-huh. All right, Truman. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, yeah. let me tell you something that's not true, man. Uh, <laughs> like, fuck, hate this guy. Fucking, if I gotta see him again and he starts ribbing me about World War Two, I'm gonna, we're gonna have to bomb them. <laughs> uh, all right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. And so on Sunday afternoon, a reportedly unarmed 20-year-old man named uh, Dante Wright was stopped by police 
for what he believed at the time. And we don't know specifics, but he called his mom right away and said that he was being stopped because he has an air freshener on his rearview mirror, which apparently is a law in Minnesota that is constantly used to just allow the police to stop whoever the fuck they want because, you know, Hmm. it's just... Shitty pretext for detaining somebody, huh? So, you know, first of all, it just speaks volumes that he felt the need to call his mom while, while he was being pulled over. And... Now we have video of what happened during the stop. Uh, They were trying to arrest him. He got back in his car. And so the officer and a second officer like ran up and she grabbed a gun from the first officer's waist, yelled taser, taser, and then fatally shot him. And he speeds off and like you literally hear say, I shot him shit. And the other cops like have this like response like, ah, ah, damn. And then after the fact, his mom was at the scene of, you know, where he where his dead body was all day while the police just left him there on the pavement. She just kept asking them to pick his body up off the ground. They wouldn't do it. They knew what happened. They knew who was to blame. And like, I can't conceive of first of all what his mom was going through but second of all like what was going through their head when they're you know somebody that they've unlawfully killed is lying there and they're just leaving him there you know because they gotta fucking make up a story right right this i mean i don't know i mean the reading that he called his mother seems very normal i think a lot of black people now yeah there, there's you have macros for your phone to do a couple things on your phone and immediately go live with whatever is happening to you to try and create some kind of living document recording uh, accountability record for you in the unfortunately possible scenario in which a police officer is going to become violent and possibly end your life. Right. And yeah, you you look at this. He has a little baby child. Dante yeah. Jr. and I don't know it. It makes it. it this is this is just never going to end. You know what I mean? Right. This shit's never going to end. Doesn't matter how many fucking black tiles people post on Instagram and how many companies are like we're listening. Man, that doesn't yeah. fucking matter. Like unless legislators are listening, uh, it doesn't matter. That doesn't even matter. Like uh, unfortunately, like we're going to have to be the people that are going to have to guarantee these outcomes for each other through. Right actual pressure campaigns to actually trying to find other ways to keep our community safe because this pack of fucking wild assholes with guns has proven time and again that they can't even they don't even know the difference between a gun and a taser now because they're whatever their racist fight or flight response goes off by being in the presence of a black body or a person of color or on someone who is needs support whether that's for their mental health or whatever this just this shit just isn't it, and it's just going to be the same outcomes over and over and over again, and your just heart breaks for a mother who can't even who has to beg for the dignity of the corpse of her child to be removed or at least covered. Yeah. Like it's just all fuck. I don't know. It's just uh yeah, it's, it's constant. It's constant, and so you know it's like all for all the shit that will come out of this. Unfortunately, and that that inspires more people to have to take to the streets to voice their absolute disapproval and heartbreak over this happening and then cue the fucking goon squads who are 
you know, and like coming like in with cries as well, please, please remain peaceful. Yeah. For, what and the then, fuck? And then shooting, you know, uh, rubber bullets and flashbangs. And at, the response is just completely different than the response at the Capitol. I mean, I know that's cliche to say, but it's just yeah. like. They just oh, always, yeah. you know, I've been to enough protests, that feeling when they all roll out of their fucking vans, look, you know, and their mm-hmm. stormtrooper shit is like, I don't know. And, you know, the, the gathering is so small, you know, and compared to the response. And it's just, right. it's always the same, like you said. And that yeah, part and of it's always the same, too. Right. And I just hope at some point, like, people, if you're just seeing this pattern over and over, like, you know, most allies and people of color knew what time it was yeah. from the beginning yeah some more people are starting to understand like oh right there is a lot of racial inequality and like whatever if it took you this long fine at least you figured it out but please keep figuring it out yeah. because it can't just be like oh that sucks because yeah. we're gonna keep seeing this and maybe the pattern will set in for a group of people who are not as moved by this kind of shit to see yeah. oh every time they don't give a fuck about what happens they they will kill somebody and then they're going to knuckle up and say, what the fuck are you going to do about it? You're going to do shit. Now sit the fuck back down and let us kill people undisturbed and carry on with what we do as police. That's the that's the cycle every fucking mm-hmm. time. And so I think for some people, it's starting to get old. But I think, but it hasn't, again, like so many things in this country, we're so fucking, like we still haven't reached these tipping points where enough people are like, oh my, this is, it's the same shit every time. It's the same shit every time. And we're not doing anything about it. And also demanding the that the fucking people that represent us in government also are on the same page rather than like, Oh my God, I hear you mm-hmm. it's so bad. It's so bad. I actually just watched Watchmen this weekend <laughs> to try and get a little more understanding. And I see that we shouldn't mess with drugs that alter our sense of memory. That was the biggest thing I got from that <laughs> film or that series. But yeah, like it's just the human mind is a drug that alters the sense of memory. We yeah. love doing it. And I think shit. it's important, too, that we, like, we don't get to the point where we're, like, awokened or whatever, and then suddenly we're just the good guys. Speaking of white people, I mean, you know, and, like, it's the same thing. Like, you become progressive and you just got to keep, you know, keep going with the ways that you're contributing yeah. to this situation, too. And uh, I think it's easy to just, and I think it's important to, to, to be really engaged in the particular fight just like in a simple way right but then right. if you forget like the fact that you have accountability in America as well no matter how liberal or how leftist you are as a white person and i think that that's like something that we can easily forget and is just as important for like an actual move forward right yeah. rather than some another way for like a corporation or a person to put up a black square and yeah. Be done, be done with it, you know. And I think, you know, white people, you, you, you get to be, you got to be passive for a really long time in this country and still uh, uh, experience progress on some level. Um, you, you can no longer be passive. I'm sorry. It's just that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. People of color and other press people are can't don't have the the privilege to be passive. Like right. we have to be on all the time. We're mm-hmm. in survival mode to some degree, whether we like it or not. To the point that a lot of people of color have a lot of survivors, survivors guilt when they get to places where they can relax because they only know one mode, which is just to have your head on a swivel. Some, this shit, this country is not for me. It's telling me this actively. 
So I have to operate within that. You, you can't be passive in a mindset like that. And in fact, in the people who are looking to create progress have to be passive as well, because progress itself is not a passive act. It's about Never. being active, proactive. That's the only way you can bring about progress. If you are passive and you're just saying, I, I, well, look, I get that the cops are, yeah, a cab, you know, the cops right. fucking suck. And like, it's so unfair what happens to people in this country. That's passive. Right. You just merely acknowledging it is too passive mm -hmm. an act and it's not going to bring the progress around. That's where you can now weaponize your whiteness for good yeah. and really start thinking of how you can use your influence with. And I'm I'm going to fuck it. I'll keep saying this shit every eight, six, eight months if I have to figure out how the fuck you can improve shit from wherever you're at. Mm -hmm. It doesn't. No one's asking anybody to change the world out the gate, but certainly don't sit back and if somebody if you have you know family later on in life say what did you during this time don't say well i knew it was bad right be able to point to some shit even if it was like oh i i i checked in on these families i gave to yeah. these groups i volunteered my time i really tried to actually decolonize my own mind mm -hmm. uh, of all the propaganda and shit i've been fed through the media to try and arrive at a new sense of awareness that i can find a way to be productive and actually contribute to this thing that I'm saying I want, which is progress. Because if you're passive right now and you're just retweeting shit, yeah. that ain't enough. Like think about en the energy you can actually put into it. Think of the energy you can, you can dedicate to this on yeah, some level. Yeah. And if level. it's, if it's daunting, you know, like that's what you said is like, nobody's expecting you to change the world right out the gate. And I think so many, like so many of us are raised to think like, I need to make this like massive impact right. or I'm not right. going to do anything almost it's like an ego trip kind of thing, you know, but instead mm -hmm. of just being like, like, I like to think of it in a nice way where like, you know, there's like a some sort of a meter in in life and you can just tip it just like the tiniest bit in the direction yeah. you want. Right. And that's great. You know, and I think yeah. just don't get paralyzed by this daunting thing and just like go help somebody on your block or just do anything, you know? No, exactly. And I think the idea that one person or a finite number of people are going to solve it is the trick of white supremacy to be like, well, fuck. I mean, I can't, I just can't do and get my neighbors. <laughs> that's not going to work like that. No, of course yeah. not. But that's to your point. If every, if a ton of people start making a lot of little changes, shit will begin differently even if that's like checking people in your friend group family to be like don't fucking first of all the shit that you're saying is racist it's destructive and you actually need to think about how you can remedy that or whatever or how you can bring up people in your workplace or community and things like that but if everyone just little subtle shit or fucking not being a bystander in a hate crime or right. even recording police that you think are using excessive force on somebody to record it to say, I will, mm -hmm. hey, I saw that shit. I will, I will testify in a court to say, I saw what the fuck they did to you. That's fucked up. I'll do whatever. I don't give a fuck because that's wrong. We just need to adopt that mindset more. But unfortunately, it's just too comfortable to be passive and too many people, their lives can s remain similar by being passive. So there's not a lot of incentive uh, for people to get active. But um, but that's the thing you hope to connect with. If you see stories like this and they break your heart, yeah. then put some energy into it. Put some energy into it because that will you you actually will be able to contribute to something larger. And again, no one's asking whoever's listening now to solve it. But shit, put some energy into it. Just some. Yeah. We're almost asking you not to solve it. Right. Like right. <laughs> just so just that you there. can just be there and do something. Mindset. 
And everybody has a skill set that they can work with. You know, like we kind of act, there's not one way to do something. There's not one way to, you know, affect change. And and I just, I do. I think I I just wish we could all just do a small thing and be humble. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I think don't, again, don't let racism, systemic oppression like this fool you into thinking nothing can be done about it. Because that's how it fucking carries on. How this fucking whole system carries on is this it it breaks you down to the point like we're seeing well, what the fuck am I going to do? Even me. What am I going to what am I going to do as a black and Asian man going to do nonstop anti Asian violence, nonstop black people being killed? What the fuck can I do? But I don't have that mindset. My mindset is to get on this mic. And if I can say some shit to make people think a certain way, then fuck it. I'll do that. If I can check other people in my life and say, yo, I got to tell you something. You should actually this the way you speak is not good. You need to actually think about, then I'll do that. If I have to donate money, I'll do that. If I want to vaunt, but just it's no one's look, not everyone has the same resources and access to things, but we all have access to our empathy and access to just this, the human decency that we can extend to other people in whatever way that is. And I think that just needs to be more normal and encouraged. Absolutely. Without it being tied to like, I'm doing this to solve systemic white supremacy, like systemic white supremacy. Uh No, I'm doing this to see somebody and say, I'm going to help. I'm going to help. I'm going to help. I'm going to help. If someone needs help, I can help. It doesn't have to always be in the binary of black or white either, because that's another pitfall this country falls into of just thinking that the only things that are going on are between black and white people. And that's just absurd. And that it's not a class issue since the beginning, too. And just it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Actually showing like that they're one of the details as I was following the story this morning, uh, like they had actual activists there at the press conference uh, asking questions of the police chief um, and the police chief. You know, some of the things they did when, when people protested outside of the uh, precinct last night, they turned the lights off everywhere so they could just start, you know, presumably start like wailing on people and person was able to be like i've been at all all the protests and i've never seen anything like that and and the chief was didn't have he was like they were throwing they were throwing pop cans they were throwing he kept like stumbling over bricks so it seemed like he wanted to say bricks but like couldn't actually like back it up but but it was actually Bratz dolls. <laughs> <laughs> but that's something that I'm definitely just personally, I feel like getting physically on the ground uh, is something that I haven't been doing to this point that I want to start doing because I, I think just in general, like the the police response to any question of their authority, it just makes like the the way they respond to that just makes it so clear and i think the more people that we can get peacefully protesting the the more it's going to be stark and and clear to people that like when they're facing violent police officers who are you know shooting at them and uh tear gassing them for just you know exercising their right like i yeah it's that, a powerful experience when you're you go somewhere to you know, for for the defense of people. Yeah. And then you're met with just absurd violence. Yeah. It very quickly, you will begin to see how, where the power lies and like what the end goals are for yeah. people. Because it's like, oh, you're here to advocate for the weak. Oh, well, we're here to push the weak around. 
Huh. Yeah. Shows you something. And I think if the more people can begin distilling those lessons into seeing like what all of this means in like the larger scale, you know, will hopefully help us move towards like collectively fixing our fucking future. Yeah. Because this was in Minnesota, uh, Chauvin's uh, defense attorney, Chauvin, whatever the fuck his name, yeah. Derek Chauvin, uh, his defense attorney already trying to use this as a pretext to have the jury like sequestered and presumably mm-hmm. delay the trial. But unfortunately, because of people like his client, you would just never have a trial if you had to wait every time a police officer murdered someone unjustly. So, yeah, hopefully it seems like the judge saw through that and hopefully continues to. Yeah, I was like, no, I think it's that's that there's no that that didn't create any tampering of the jury. I think he just said, like, the news goes on. You know, you can't sequester people from reality. It's right. And unfortunately, that is the news going on. The big goal, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, let's talk briefly uh, related subject to what's happening in Maryland. Yeah. Yeah. Because the the cops are out here saying, hey, don't I got rights? (laughs) The police bill of rights? I thought we had that fucking 40, was it 73, 1973? So Maryland, basically, they've just began the official skull fucking and canceling of the police bill of rights. Mm. Uh, which dates back to 1973 when a group of cops basically began crying to politicians over how they were being poorly treated by like police commanders that were doing things like discipline them for fucking up. And I think this must've been an era when there was like, I guess like the three cops that still were like trying to be like, Hey, Hey, we don't do that. We're like kind of what the media is trying to show us to be of cops. Uh, And then this new batch is like, nah, we don't fuck with this. So this Law enforcement officers bill of rights was a first in the nation law that basically created these workplace protections for cops that were like that ushered in this era of absolute fuckery. We're seeing like including giving officers a formal waiting period before they had to cooperate with an internal investigation, uh, scrubbing records of complaints brought against officers after a certain period. If you if you're a good boy, then nope, it's bye. And ensuring that only police officers not civilians could investigate them mm. so this is essentially the this is when they put their p- protective blankie over them nixon is president at this time mm. and screaming about law and order and i think the f- idea or the feeling in the country was that like crime was going up because people weren't regularly getting the shit kicked out of them by right. police not because of again lack of opportunity or resources in here that's it's it's the lack of beatings and bludgeonings and shootings of innocent people that is creating the crime. So this basically went ushered in this new era. And uh, yes, the fact that Maryland is now getting around to repealing this, you know, Larry Hogan, who's the the governor, tried to repeal it, tried to veto it. But oh, they had a they were able to override the governor's veto to get the shit going. And Governor Hogan had to say, quote, The original intent had been overtaken by political agendas that do not serve the public safety needs of the citizens of Maryland. Uh, He said the changes would, quote, further erode police morale, community relationships and public confidence. Mm. Oh, the fucking same state that where Freddie Gray's spine was severed mysteriously. And we still have no accountability for his death. That it wasn't that. That's going to, you know, fuck up their uh, community relationships or public confidence. Right. The fuck are you? Ta- what the, And what the fuck is police morale? 
Right. How Seriously. quickly they can get an erection at the thought <laughs> of murdering a black person. Right. Like, what the fuck is that? I don't, this shit is like so, tr- the dog whistles are so bad now. Like, yeah. it, it can only mean one thing. This guy from the fucking popo frat, Angelo Consoli, he says, wow. the reality is they have reinvented policing in the state of Maryland. They're going to make it tougher for the police to police. There's reform, and this went beyond reform. What uh-huh. does that mean, for the police to police? Right. It if, means if to the, just rough people up with impunity and kill people right. with so impunity. So if the things you're yeah. taking away are, you know, this ability, because I'm sorry, they could, they were, I think at its longest point, it you could have a five-day period where you didn't have to talk to investigators if mm. some shit went down. That's a lot of time to figure out what your improv group is going to do on stage. Right. You know, when you have to lie about what the fuck happened, that's what shit like that does. And even when Freddie Gray dra- died, the, the mayor was like, it's this police bill of rights, unfortunately, that makes this impossible to really get any kind of accountability here. So I guess when you have things like mandating body cameras, allowing for citizen oversight and ending no knock warrants, those are the things that make policing hard to do. Accountability. Right. right. Accountability. So what is policing exactly based on like, let's follow this. What does that mean then? Because again, all you're saying is, Hey, y'all, you know, we got to fuck, we got to fuck these people up. That's how, that's what the cops are. And if we can't fuck them up, then what the fuck are we doing here? I don't know. Maybe you should go. Maybe this isn't the, this isn't for you. Right. For all the any police officer whose morale this like dampens, maybe they should not be maybe that that should maybe they should be so down in the dumps that they find a new line of work that doesn't allow them to uh you know kill people with impunity i feel like it's like really important to think about 1973 you know like you gave context but that's like right after the black panthers right and that's like right Mm -hmm. after fred hampton was killed by like a clearly deeply deeply illegal but completely protected Mm -hmm. murder like next level murder, right? Yeah. Like unreal type of murder, not yeah. any murder. You know, you know what I mean, though. Like yeah. the excessive force that is. It was but just anyway. a hit. It was a. It was an assassin. Like not yeah. even an assassination. That's like too. No. It was like a hit. Like yeah. anybody was, who, does, I mean, who hasn't seen Judas and the Black Messiah Ugh. or doesn't know the story, like he's drugged in his bed and they walk in and assassinate him like yeah. just point with like us just spray of so many right like so many yeah bullets. like to the yeah. point it wasn't it wasn't merely an assassination would maybe be like how putin does it where yeah. you right. show up strangled or you right. fell out of a building or yeah one shot to the head or something like that not riddled with bullets no but they, that, no. yeah that's like the catharsis of white supremacy he was drugged the night life. before by an FBI informant. That's why he was drugged in his bed and was still asleep after like being shot a number of times and after there were hundreds of bullets fired into his apartment. And then the police walked in and shot him in the head point blank after after all the shooting was done. Just to, And it was defensive, right, in the end, because some so one of the Black Panthers, like the security guy, his weapon fired a discharged. Shot. And, you know, there's a lot of argument that that was not even that that was a non-intentional right. shot. Right. And so yeah. and then it's also the weather underground time, too. Right. Which is a complicated topic. But there's just the early yeah. 70s are so much kind of like right now. And so I don't think I think it's really interesting that that bill is coming up. At this moment, at like kind of a similar culture war. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. But yeah. I think now the opinion is less on the side of like, oh, no, what if, 
what are we going to do? And now everybody's like, the white people are joining the Black Panthers and shit. So well, I don't see what... that's what the what... Weather Underground was, I guess. <laughs> right. Like, that's what we'll see what, you know, how how much of a difference that makes. Because, yeah, what is this, 47 years? 48 years? Yeah. You know, uh, for... That's generations of people being tormented with these laws. And we'll see if this this momentum can continue. But yeah, we still do have, uh, unfortunately, this huge resistance to like this idea of like reimagining what policing is, because even without imagining, we're observing what it is and it's completely fucked up and nonsensical. Yeah. So, yeah, we have to to say like, this is dangerous. It's like, no, that's because you know what? That's because you're not experiencing the police like other people are. So. And for you, the police means a completely different thing. Yeah, you're not being stopped for having a something hang from your dashboard. and Which isn't even because they're interested in that. They just go, huh, there's a high chance that this might end with something. Maybe I can arrest this person. Yep. Maybe I can fuck their day up. Yep. And shit, if, if, they, if I'm lucky enough, I can get violent. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's take another quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back and, you know, just in kind of staying up to date on where we're at with COVID-19 in the United States, it feels like nationally there's like this vaccine optimism waxing. People are starting to feel uh, a new set of circumstances coming. But then there are states that uh, are seeing their numbers hit new highs like Michigan is closing on a new high for new cases, which has led the CDC to suggest that they close back down to levels that they were at like last spring and over the summer when, you know, everybody was in full lockdown. So it'll just be interesting to see like how, how much harder it is to like pull off a, a shutdown locally when like the rest of the country is, you know, when you don't have, I think the most important thing we found from from the pandemic is those TV ads letting us know that we're not alone. And now more mm-hmm. than ever, uh, they understand. Sprint our, is with us. Yeah. Now more than ever, eat shit. <laughs> right. But yeah, it'll be, you know, they're, they're going to have to be like localized responses that aren't necessarily matched by the rest of the country. And uh, we'll, we'll see how, how that goes. But yeah. I think maybe we're moving into the little fires everywhere phase, Um, which is kind of what I think these other waves are going to kind of look like, depending on, you know, good book vaccinations. Yeah. I I don't know, man. It's like, it's wild to see that graph. And I'm like, oh, well that other, oh, it is the worst time ever is when the last peak was. And it's mirroring that, which is super frightening. Yeah. Fortunately, uh, the, Deaths are not peaking anymore right. because the doctors are getting better and better at treating people who come in with COVID, but still it's killing people like people are dying. So it's right. Uh, it is a problem. And I mean, God, I'm curious. I hope this doesn't impact people's uh, enthusiasm to enter healthcare or medicine <laughs> uh, because you talk about you want to talk about morale being fucking low. Well, fuck the police working right. in medicine right now couldn't be more of a grim proposition for someone. Yeah. yeah, I've heard of physicians taking their own life pretty recently, and that seems like it's kind of endemic right now. 
I mean, yeah, to think like when you get into something to help people and then your hands are tied by the speed of medicine, how it, a government is trying to protect people or not protect, but actually encourage people to end up to, at your place of work being confused and sick and not having the wherewithal to be able to help them. Right. Like, yeah, it's like, it's just, it's, yeah, I, I'm hoping we're able to really shout out all the essential workers after this, yeah, like yeah. truly, truly, but it doesn't, it feels like we're so quick to move on. Like the amount of shit I see, like on the Apple news app, the things that it'll put at the top, it's like signs that things are getting back to normal, but it's always the wall street journal <laughs> that is doing that shit. I'm like, no one fucking asked you corpo come rag. Oh my God. And just shut up. And make Fuck with your Wall fucking Street Wall Journal. Street tips yeah. rather than all this stuff. It's like, everything's going to be okay. Here's some companies that are doing the right thing right oh, now. Right. Like, yeah. Uh, please, please don't, don't start seeding the environment with these stories that'd be like, you know, that, that springtime is here and it's time to cast away all our concerns because it's beginning to happen very quickly. All right. Let's talk briefly about infrastructure. What's, yeah. Uh... It'd be nice to have some. Yeah. Here. All right. Moving on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's it. That was really my take. Uh, just right. my idea. I just read this thing uh, about France and I was like, oh, it must be nice. But, you know, it's like a, a lot of nations are, especially America, takes its sweet fucking time trying to figure out how to combat CO2 emissions. There's like little examples of like just small things you can do to have positive outcomes. Like in France, um, you know, when they're not busy enacting just horrifically Islamophobic hijab laws and, you know, robbing people of agency. Uh, because that's just not how we get down here. <laughs> they are really trying to figure out like a practical way to combat emissions. And not that I'm just saying like, oh, yes, shout out to them. But it's just an example, right? That they've right. been trying to reconfigure in a dom internal domestic flights with by saying if there is a flight, an internal domestic flight that can be covered by train in under two and a half hours, we ain't doing that flight anymore. We're wow. just not doing it. It doesn't make sense because then you can take a fucking train because on average, the plane has emits 77 times more CO2 per passenger than the train. So that's like a little thing you can do. OK, I mean, so that's the, the government. Right. I yeah, love trains. riding the train. It's so wonderful. Oh, but we already got like things where like Republicans are like, oh, giving money to Amtrak. It's like, <laughs> right. What the fuck yeah, are you talking that's about? what I, my first thought was like, wait, so the government's telling them to do that and yeah. they're listening without like a enormous political backlash on like a bunch of militia people <laughs> like well, uh, yeah they also do shit like be like oh air france you need some money okay well guess who owns part of that now the government mm -hmm. right because you right. needed some bailout money we're here yeah. it's like mm, it's my friend though it's like well if you were really thinking <laughs> imagine you were thinking like a businessman if another business person came up to you said hey let me get a loan you'd be like okay give me a stake in your fucking company yeah. that's your fucking head right now come up with that ownership scheme. It's not like the U.S. government hasn't bailed out the airlines like constantly. It's just right. they, they know they just it's want bad PR. Them. Right. Is it bad PR to nationalize them? I mean, and exactly. That's all it is. It's bad PR. It's actually right. good policy, and yeah. it makes for better outcomes by not allowing these greedy fucks to do whatever the fuck they want. So anyway, along those lines, it's just saying it's stuff like this that the U.S. should be thinking about more aggressively because the other thing is like as much as they're like, oh, we're going to go electric. All electric, everything. It's going to be Electric Avenue. It's the Main Street Electrical Parade, the one you see our fucking fleets coming down the street. Okay, fine. But that's not, electric cars alone will not solve this crisis. Like, especially when you consider the carbon footprint for the production and transport of electric vehicles. It's not 
It's not like, oh, electric. Cycling is actually going to have to factor in on some level for us to really cut down on emissions. And I was just reading this other piece, especially looking at things happening in Europe as a result of pandemic. Like, I think overall, like interest in cycling has gone up in this country, myself included. Like I, I use a bike way more than I used to. But just looking at simple things like this. In this study, they found urban residents who switched from driving to cycling for just one trip per day reduced their carbon footprint by about a half ton of CO2 over the course of a year. And that's essentially the same as the equivalent emissions from a one-way flight from London to New York. So, And if just one in five urban residents permanently change their travel behavior in this way over the next few years, it could cut emissions of car travel to close to 8% 8 in Europe, specifically in this analysis. So like, just... Build the bike. Like you see places that have bike lanes and you're like, oh, wow. Why wouldn't I bike there? Why? Because right. it's safe. Uh, uh, LA is like fucking Mad Max. Like you got to be like, oh, I hope you're built to ride a bike in the in these streets because nobody's saving you. <laughs> it's just different levels of encouragement. I think we need them. There used to be a thing at like when I worked for a tech company where they would ask you if you drove to work and they would actually be able to enforce it because you wouldn't get a parking spot if you said that you like rode a bike to work and then you would get like a tax break, I think, or or something. This was in LA, but that's like, rather than going through your employer, why not just make it so that people like can report for riding a bike everywhere and like get, get some sort of credit that doesn't require all sorts of you know, the the U.S. just makes things super complicated and favoring of employers over employees so that they don't lose the power to the, you know, so capital doesn't lose the power to the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just thinking like the like even with New York, right? All the stuff that is being proposed, like how can we reuse the streets smarter? Right. You know, because clearly COVID led to a movement of like reclaiming these streets for us like public spaces or no car spaces and like using bikes and things like that to, to waste that opportunity to apply that sort of thinking across the country is such a missed opportunity. Oh yeah. And for like people like to ride bikes in LA, which is wild. Like there's, there are many opportunities to ride your bike with groups or whatever you can fucking, there's like certain paths that you can take. But it's not enough where it feels like a, a city that's thinking about people who ride bicycles. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when you're in just to give people that encouragement would be just such a natural way where someone would be like, oh, fuck, yeah, I would love to ride in a protected bike path rather yeah. than worrying if I'm going to get sideswiped by a Costco delivery truck because yeah. uh, nobody's looking that like just passively like just it, it can't cost that much money. It can't cost that much money. And you're right. damn sure not spending it to help unhoused people. So where the what the fuck are y'all doing? Right. And like the and COVID's lockdowns, like nature just sort of started to blossom in this weird way because a lot of the pollution was cut down. And so it's like, like you said, it's this missed opportunity to be like, OK, so this is like the effect of us doing X, Y and Z. So then we obviously can't keep going at that rate. But how can we apply some of the, you know, the improvements as negative as everything's been, the environmental improvements of us just like not fucking with everything constantly. Right. right? So it's like, I, I hope that we. I am dubious, but I do hope yeah. we will take stuff from that. That's There's what been, yeah, it makes it disheartening. Yeah. It's like, There's been yeah. some coverage of the of that being like somewhat exaggerated. The the like 
uh, eco like benefits and like the you know dolphins have returned to the canals of Venice. I think that was uh, <laughs> that was just fake. That was Did fake. I get duped? <laughs> but but I think there you know overall there's definitely been a decrease in flights, decrease in you know miles yeah. driven, and I was I was just thinking as as uh, you guys were talking about like way, things that we could take from the pandemic. If we're allowed to just wear sweats from now on, like everywhere, Perfect. it doesn't matter. Then I can ride my bike to work and not yep. worry about the fact that we like, have, I sweat yeah. through three shirts. We have um, to become a post-drip society. Yes. Thank you. I feel thank like you. we have to move into a post-drip culture <laughs> because the drip is you know, directly related to capitalism, consumer yep. capitalism. And I think if we can, if we can move to a post-drip economy, a post-drip society, a lot of ills will be remedied because i think to outwardly be able to you know evoke your status with your clothes is yeah. like the is the is the first game that shit plays on you to begin sort of rat racing towards nonsense and post drip in the sense that i will be completely dripping in sweat dripping yeah. in sweat and people <laughs> just have to get over that yeah <laughs> well chelsea as always such a pleasure having you on the show uh where can people find you and follow you well, thank you both. I always love being here. So anytime you want me back, I just think you are both so brilliant. Oh, no. And let's see. So Instagram at American Hysteria Podcast, Twitter at Amer Hysteria. And yeah, our show covers a lot of the stuff I talked about today. Uh, conspiracy theories, moral panics, fantastical thinking from like a sociological perspective. So check it out if you like the bullshit I talk about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and thanks again, so guys. Yeah, yeah, thanks. And is there a tweet or some of the work of social media you've been enjoying? You know what? I'm going to bring it back to some celebrity gossip, if that's hey. cool. Um, and I just thought that this was a nice piece of news. And the tweet is from Naya Don't Give a F. And it's, I like Macaulay Culkin. He's sweet and he's been through a lot. And I don't think he's as ugly as people make him out to be. (laughs) (laughs) So I love Macaulay Culkin. I've been rooting for this dude my whole life. So I'm happy that he's happy. He's got a nice, lovely child that I don't think anybody's seen yet. But um, oh, no one has seen him. I'm not Brenda Song's child. Yeah, I don't know. Right? Yeah, Brenda Song. I was just about to say. Yeah, she. And I didn't know they were together. I didn't know anything about this. Me but either. Is Brenda Song uh, famous for something? I think she's from like Disney stuff. Yeah. And she was in yeah. Social Network. I know that. Um, oh, okay. Word. Yeah. But, and, you know, just a happy little couple. And what? I think he's doing good. And I, I wish him and her the best. I mean, yeah, Jack, you come on, bro. You remember when we used to get ripped and watch Sweet Life of Zach and Cody? Right, right. right. Oh, Brenda Song. Yeah, Brenda from Sweet on. Life of Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Miles, where can people find you? What's the tweet you've been enjoying? Twitter, Instagram, Miles of Gray, and also twitch.tv slash 420 Day Fiance to come check us out when we record 420 Day Fiance, where we just talk trash reality, you know? it's We we try not to get too into the social justice shit because it's like our time to bullshit, but inevitably we get pulled right back in because that's the world we're in. Um, Some tweets that I like. First one from uh, Dahlia Malik, past guest at Dahlia, uh, and just tweeted a parenthetical, all male lineups of stand-up comedy is back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, as uh, shit goes back to normal, shit is going back to that fucked up kind of normal, it seems Mm. like, some of the bills I've seen. And this is from Andrew Nadeau, that Andrew Nadeau tweeting, 
Make a movie about the TA who had to teach 90% of Indiana Jones's classes. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Please do. What happened there? How did he keep his job? And just all the... This he is seems just so disorganized as a So professor disorganized, too. so distracted. <laughs> like, every yeah. time he was in class, running off to a different thing. And, like, the girls were always, like, crushing on him, which made me think, like, that's a, there was, like, a weird dynamic there. I don't just know. regaling <laughs> them of Nazi punching stories. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they weren't woke enough back then that that would have been that cool. Right, right, you know what right. I mean? Like Indiana yeah. Jones right now, like, oh my God, you were punching Nazis in the 40s. Like, yeah, you know, right. 98 now. Back though. then, they were like, but they have some thoughts on uh, eugenics that mm-hmm, uh, my mm-hmm. other class was just teaching me are yeah. pretty swell. Um, right, exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. Show us some of the other professors. Uh, <laughs> Professor Indiana Jones was taught. Who was, who were his colleagues around the time? Right, right. <laughs> Some tweets I've been enjoying. I just want to give a shout out to Anna Dresden, former Cracked writer, current SNL writer. She tweeted, genuine stupid joy to write this impossibly stupid uh, bit with Bowen Yang, who is the Celine Dion of comedy he delivers. And it's the Bowen Yang's appearance on a weekend update uh, portraying the iceberg that sunk the Titanic. (laughs) Uh, And it's so good. It's my favorite thing I've seen on SNL in a long time, but Anna is super duper funny and Bowen's a genius. So wanted to shout out Saturday Night Live. It was the hardest I've laughed at anything on SNL in a long time. And uh, I also liked a tweet from uh, Jeremy Kaplowitz who tweeted, I literally just fucking got that honk if you're horny is a pun. Honk if you're horny. Horny. Oh, on the horn. Oh. I never okay. got that. I no, took I that as just a, you know, a call and response right. when you're out in the streets. Yeah. Uh, Honk, if you're horny. The uh, whatever uh, creep in the 60s made that up for a t shirt was on to, was thinking two steps ahead. I'll I got to yeah, tell but, you guys one thing really quick. I saw mm-hmm. on a ram a dodge ram just like two weeks ago a bumper sticker that said dodge the father ram the daughter and it was like yeah i was like man you you're just out in the world (laughs) (laughs) you always wonder when you see people have those like aggressive ass bumper stickers we're like yeah i eat the inside of asshole and it's like that's the whole back of your truck window right like what the fuck the people need to know yeah. What is that? What the the inside of asshole? Why? <laughs> Eat it for How? breakfast. Yeah. It's like this is huh? I mean, but you know, I this is the thing I've learned if if you have if you have like nasty freak friend, you know, people who are like friend like, yeah, you know, I'm I eat ass and they're public about it. <laughs> There's like another vibe that the, they all like gravitate towards or something. So it's like, oh, yeah, that's for a different. That's another world mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. In us in civilized society. We're like, oh, no. Yeah. But to with the ass goblins, they're like, yeah. I'm, I'm all for uh, ass eating bumper stickers, but ones where it's like, I like to have sex with young women and not tell their fathers. That's a little uh, weird. It's a little country music. Uh, <laughs> pop, pop country. Pop yeah. country. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. Footnotes. 
which is where we link off to the information that we talked about today. Uh, we also link off to a song that we think you should go check out for your vibes. The information for your brain, the song for your vibes. Miles, what song should people take in today? Uh, info for your brain and songs for your vibes. This will be wow, 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 wow. This is going to actually be uh, like a little bit of a Missy Elliott remix, okay? And you're going to have to listen because it's just going to, like Missy can't miss, but a modern day remix by Kayla Maestro is going to take it to the next level. And this track's called BMO2001, stands for Break Missy Off, and it's by Kayla Maestro. And you're going to get it on SoundCloud or just check the footnotes for that link. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, go check that out. The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for this morning. And we're back this afternoon to tell you what is trending. We'll talk to you on that. Bye. Bye.